2: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to If I'm Honest with Julia Landauer. So last episode, we talked about rejection, right? Rejection, maintaining enthusiasm, you know, how to bounce back, how to kind of have that clean slate moving forward when things don't go your way. And I firmly believe everything that I told you. At the same time, I recognize that life is nuanced and life is a constant gray zone. And so, you know, when when thinking about, moving forward and everything, the reality is that there are also times when the rejection is so hard and, you know, we just have extreme amounts of disappointment. And I talked briefly about the story of spending over two years trying to get to the right person at a company to pitch for sponsorship. And that one was, was so rough for me, but I didn't really get into the detail of how I got to the point of being able to move forward from that disappointment. And that's how we got to today's episode of dealing with disappointment, because it would be naive to think that we can just be optimistic and positive, although I am a very optimistic and positive person. Um, there's some real personal work that goes into bouncing back from disappointment. When I look back on this year, on 2023, and I think about what my most disappointing moment was, there are a couple of things that come to mind, but the hands down biggest moment of disappointment happened right before the Daytona 500. So the Daytona 500 was in February and This year, I haven't gone to a lot of NASCAR races, but you know that I did not miss the Daytona 500. For those of you who don't know, the Daytona 500 is basically NASCAR Super Bowl. It's a little odd that it's at the beginning of the season, if I'm honest, but that's okay. And everyone comes down to Daytona Beach, Florida. It's this massive racetrack, a super speedway. The whole infield is bustling. You know, there's NASCAR fans everywhere. And it's a big spectacle, celebrities come out, it's really, really exciting. And when I go to a race, and especially down at Daytona, you know, I, I have my pit pass, I spent the weekend mainly with my team um, from last year, Alpha Prime Racing, and we you know, have the two haulers set up, they have chairs set up, they have all their guests and you know, they're they're right across from the garages where the cars are worked on and, you know, we have the driver's lounge and I'm friends with the drivers and the team and so it's really so nice after the off season to be able to go hang out, to cheer them on. When it came to on-track sessions, particularly during the race, I sat on the pit box and I have a, a team headset so I can go between the different cars channels so I can listen to the drivers and the crew chiefs and the spotters and I can just follow along with what the team was doing on track. And... We have TV screens on the pit boxes, so it's crazy to be at the race, and because the track is so big, it's actually very hard to see on-track activity from the pits, and so I watch most of the race from the TV screens on the pit box. And it was just really cool. There was, there's always really good energy and NASCAR is celebrating their 75th year this year. And so, you know, they had this big kind of industry party where Diplo performed, which was super cool. As I mentioned, not a huge concert goer. I mentioned this before, but, um, you know, it was really exciting and kind of funny. You know, you had some of the younger people who were super excited to be hearing Diplo. And then you had some of the older people who may or may not have known who he was, um, but it it took place in, I believe, a college gymnasium and got to mingle with people who I've known for years as I've been on my NASCAR journey. Also, during that Daytona 500 weekend, I had an interview with a local Charlotte and Southeast station and got to share some of my story. And It's just really exciting because it's the start of a new season. There's so much potential that everyone feels. And it's always fun to see the racing friends that I don't really see on a regular basis like people who live in different cities or some of the reporters or even the fact that most of the racing related people live up by Lake Norman and Mooresville and Huntersville and I live down in Charlotte so it's at least a good half hour away and if you are familiar with the Charlotte area you know that 77 traffic is absolutely miserable and driving on it takes years off my life Um, the fast pass quick pass definitely makes it better but I do limit my, my time up and down 77 if I can. Anyway, being at Daytona was really, really fun. But at the same time, it was also very, very bittersweet. So as I mentioned, end of January, we had been spending almost two years on and off pitching a group for sponsorship. And at the end of 2022, they had committed to a handful of races. We were building out this whole incredible activation program. We were really excited. We had done all the redlining for the contracts. It had been back and forth. And in the 11th hour, this this group fell through. And it was a very quick, short email that was sent, basically like, hey, actually, no, we're not gonna do this right now. And we had spent so much time on it. They had spent so much time on it. It was it was just so, so gut-wrenching. I remember I was standing in a little foyer between the kitchen and the staircase at home and the lights were off and I was reading this and I just, I felt my whole body go numb and tingly. I just, I could not believe that this wasn't happening, you know, it was, it was like 99% there. And I had planned all my races with the team. And I, you know, had visions for Oh, my goodness, you know, the racing career is really going to take off the way I wanted to, I'm going to get a more robust part time season. And then it was just ripped out from under me. It, it was so weird, because it wasn't like that time back in The pandemic when the company just didn't want to move forward after our initial conversations and i just kind of broke down crying that one hadn't gotten anywhere near as close right like we were so close to the finish line with sponsorship with this and it really took like several hours for me to process and then get really really angry and sad and disappointed and dejected and i kind of had this crisis of okay well what does this mean for the rest of my my year what does it mean for the rest of my my racing career what is this going to do for me like it was just this this cluster of different emotions so the fact that this happened right before going to Daytona you know it made it really tough when I was down there because on the one hand I was happy but at the other on the other hand I was so bitter and I was jealous of all the drivers I mean it was kind of agonizing to be there and I wasn't planning to race that race but it you know it was pretty rough because I just felt jealous of everyone who was getting to strap into their cars and I knew that I no longer had a tangible plan about how to do that and those those conflicting feelings and the never-ending feeling of disappointment and jealousy that I was feeling at the track was kind of the kick in the butt that I needed to be more intentional about actively addressing my disappointment and figuring out how to work through it. So that is the long long road that it took to get to the point of this this episode which is to dive into disappointment and to give my perspective on what we can do to help work through it. And while I never particularly excelled at the natural sciences, I do find how the body works very exciting. And I looked into how the chemistry of disappointment works in our brain and what it what it leads to. So, Allow me to get a little bit nerdy with you, but the feeling of disappointment comes because two neurotransmitters, which are chemicals that relay signals between neurons in the brain, they fire at the same time. Now, it is really rare for neurotransmitters to fire simultaneously, and apparently scientists only really know of three or four occasions where this happens. And in disappointment specifically, there was a study published in 2014 from UC San Diego School of Medicine And they found that the two neurotransmitters that are transmitting at the same time are the GABA and the glutamate neurotransmitters. And they're released in the, give me a second, the lateral habenula. I think that's how you pronounce it, part of the brain. And so the GABA neurotransmitter is the enhancing one; it, it's the positive, makes you feel better. The glutamate is the dampening one. And so with that, you know, more GABA means you're happier, and the more glutamate means you're more disappointed. And they that balance is how it's determined if you're, you know, feeling a little bummed to actually being being depressed. And depression is also found in the lateral habenula. And depression comes from not producing as much GABA as you do the glutamate. And so research out of New York also showed that when working on rodents, if you get more serotonin in the brain, that kind of compensates for the GABA. And so that's what antidepressants target. But as a little sidebar, the problem with that is that antidepressants don't only target this balance of GABA and glutamate it affects other part of how the brain works um, and like you know sleep and rest and all of this so it's part of what makes it so complicated and why antidepressants have to be so specifically formulated per person because it is very different um, balances in the brain so that's a high-level overview of the science behind disappointment. And this is not meant to be medical advice. This is also studies that I've read that I can put in the description. But it is interesting, I think, that it's, you know, disappointment, which is a fairly regular emotion, comes from a fairly irregular happening in the brain. And science is all well and good, but now we have to bring it back to how this applies to the day-to-day. And I wanted to make a note here that my suggestions from here on out aren't, aren't based on, you know, if you have clinical depression. I am not a doctor. I am not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. But I want to share my experiences and what I hope can be helpful for if we're dealing with lower levels of disappointment. And to get into this, I had to think about why did I feel, why have I felt that sometimes in my adult life, there are more regular instances of disappointment. But I kind of started thinking about the timeline of when I noticed, you know, things Disappointing me more. And I think it really happened, you know, a couple years out of college. And this is my analysis. You may disagree, it might just be specific to my life trajectory. But when I think about school, when I think about high school, college, all of this, For the most part it feels pretty predictable you know if you put the work in if you study if you get tutoring if you need it you will likely achieve certain grades and if you get certain grades you will you know be able to get into certain universities i know this is not 100 percent true and there's a whole lot going on but for the most part if you put the work in you're gonna be able to more or less predict the result Uh, if you apply for class you'll know what your chances are of getting in And what I've found in the real world is that you can do everything right. You can prepare really hard. You can be incredibly smart. You can do all the networking. You can meet the right people. And what you're doing is still not predictably able to work out, right? You might not be able to predict what will happen. You may do everything right and life will not go your way. It's like, I feel like I finally understand what my parents always said when they said life was not fair because... It's not a lot of the time, and it's just such a such a contrast from at least my experience with school. And so, you know, when when I think about this in the real world and how it's more relevant, I now want to share what are the things that I do to help overcome my disappointment. And I know it has taken a hot second to get here, but we have arrived. So here are the four things that I think about and really worked on over the winter this year to overcome disappointment and to be able to bounce back to that being enthusiastic and moving forward. And the first thing was to really let yourself be in your feelings. I've mentioned on previous episodes that I kind of like to live my life on an emotional roller coaster, right? And I think it is most important to do that when it comes to feelings. You know, we know and there's studies out th- there are studies out there that you know, repressed emotions become really detrimental later. We know that it is super important to address how we're feeling because bottling it up means that it will likely eventually explode. And I think this is really important with disappointment. Sometimes disappointment can be embarrassing. Sometimes you can feel a little less than because the things did not go your way. But I think it's crucial to let yourself sit with that feeling, really let it in, let it overcome you. And then that will hopefully allow us to process it and we can move on from it more efficiently. And this is, you know, this works for disappointment. I've personally found that this worked when I was grieving. I also think it's really important when it's a positive emotion, when you're happy, when you're proud, really revel in that feeling and let yourself feel it to the fullest and then again, it allows us to process quicker. So especially when it comes to a negative emotion, be in your feelings, it might be unpleasant, but it'll be a shorter period of being unpleasant. And you'll be able to really think about how you're feeling. And and after we get through that, the second thing that I find really helpful and important is to critique ourselves. You know, I think I might've mentioned this, but I think only we will know if we're truly capable of something, only we will know if we really gave it our all. And so if we can review our performance, analyze what we did well, what we could improve upon, and make a plan to adjust as needed moving forward, that will allow us to, again, feel like we are taking ownership and doing everything in our control to be able to have the outcomes that we want. And I think it's also really important not to dwell, again, on what we've done wrong or what we wish we could have done better because that might be a distraction and it will also kind of reinforce the negative that we just went through and that's not helpful for for moving forward. So, quick recap so far. First two things were to be in your feelings and to critique yourself. And then I also think when things Disappoint us, or something happens. I do think it's important to look at the situation and to see if we can salvage anything moving forward. And I will admit that I am not great at this. A lot of times, if I get an email or get a call or get some kind of response that isn't what I want, sometimes I'll just immediately go into the emotional response. But a lot of times, we can look at a situation and at least ask if there are ways that we can reframe or restructure or. You know, salvage something so that it's not a complete loss. This won't always be the case, but sometimes it can be helpful. And once we've done all that, I think that it allows us to more easily do the fourth thing that I'd recommend, which is to focus forward. I know that seems a little fluffy potentially, but it really is important to to remind yourself of what is still out there and what's yet to come. And if we have, you know, allowed ourselves to feel our feelings, if we've analyzed our performance and see if there's anything we can salvage, then we're able to move forward and hopefully have a better chance the next time. And I think that's a lot of what we can do, you know, disappointment, sucks. And I think that all the emotions that have a hint of sadness are, are too bad. And I I don't like feeling it myself. I don't like seeing it in other people like other people's pain, sadness and disappointment makes me so sad as well. But there are things that we can do. And it was interesting because I had actually recorded the first version of this podcast right when I got back from Daytona in February, it was kind of a sample that I sent to the producers. And when I re listened to it before recording this, it was so evident how much the disappointment and sadness carried over in my voice like that is not an episode I could publish because it, it it is really really rough to listen to just my own sadness in my voice and I, so I think you know thinking about how we carry our emotions is important and again it goes back to being able to process fully in a short amount of time might actually help us as we navigate the real world so friends, that is our show. Thank you for tuning in. And thank you to everyone who has already rated the show and left a review or sent me a DM about what you feel about it. That's really helpful. If you haven't, it would mean a lot to me if you're able to, you know, rate it on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen to a podcast. That helps with our overall traction. And if you're able to leave a review, let us know what you like about it. That would be awesome. Share it with people that you think might enjoy. And as always, thank you for letting know Letting me be honest with you, and I look forward to seeing you next week.
1: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80.